podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tis that time of the season when the ghouls and goblins prowl. Witches ride their broomsticks and bonehead wildcats howl. So scrape your claws together and make some chilling noise for your haunted wildcatters, those spooky Bosco boys. Boom, the boys are back and spooky season is here. Uh, it's gonna, I, I, we're gonna have a fun episode. We're going to kind of lay out, you know, what I think the biggest storylines for K State are uh, for the sprint basically to Arlington. We got early bye week, it is out of the way. We got eight games, eight games in eight weeks. Uh, in the quest to defend the crown out in Arlington. Um, I'll end with a couple big 12 storylines as well. Um, yeah. And, and we're going to get into it here in a bit. Um, originally was not going to ha- was not going to do this episode, hoping not to kind of throw together an episode at the last moment tomorrow for you guys. Um, we got like an all time story of a show that was supposed to be that didn't happen. Um, still holding out hope, not a lot of hope, but still trying to hold out hope, uh, that we can get it recorded on Monday. So that's going to be one of those classic, okay, during the farewell tours, uh, I tell the story because I don't want to completely blow any chance I have to make this show ever happen. This, or that episode, I should say, happen. Um, but yeah, the bye week did not go as planned, uh, when it comes to, some of the episodes that were supposed to happen. So again, there's a little teaser for for whenever the farewell tuber is. Um, so we're going to go through kind of my, you know, top four storylines for the balance of the season for K-State and the top four storylines I have for the Big 12 for the balance of football of the football uh, season. Um, and look, it, it, it was a highly entertaining football uh, week or Saturday in college football. Hell, hell weekend of college football. Um, so it was fun to kind of have the week off and take it all in. In uh, case state again, we're playing on Friday, so hey, it's going to be here before you know it. Um, so look, I, I I'm pumped for it. I'm pumped for um, the Friday game. Still haven't decided if I'm going to go or not. Uh, if you do go, I think you should rock lavender. Um, I think it'll look great with the backdrop of a Oklahoma State blackout. But I, 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 I think it's going to be exciting, and, and we get to take in a lot of great games, uh, not only Big Twelve but nationally. Uh, of course, the final Big Twelve Red River um, is happening. That's going to really kind of set the pace. Uh, and kind of lay out the path to Arlington, depending on how that Oklahoma-Texas game goes. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it will be interesting. Uh, I'm excited for it. I'm excited to get back, uh, you know, seeing the Cats play. As much fun as it is to take in all of college football, nothing beats K-State winning um, and having a big game. So, hopefully that returns. 
Uh, early lines have K-State as 10-point favorites. I, I, I think that's entirely too high down in Stillwater unless Oklahoma State truly have packed it up. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, before we get into my four K-State storylines for the balance of the year, uh, I want to give a shout-out to our friends at Charlie Hustle. They listened to the pleas. They listened to the demand from the email world. And they just dropped Sunday morning the King Felix uh, Kansas City Football Collection shirt. And folks, it is a good one. It is a great picture of Felix doing his sack dance, putting his crown on. Yes, he is in his Kansas City red, but what is that draped along his shoulders? That's right, a royal purple robe. Because we all know where Felix got his start, and that was with K-State. So check that out at charliehustle.com. Buy King Felix shirt. Check out the officially licensed K-State gear, including they got some lavender. You might need to do some expedited shipping if you're going to head down to uh, Stillwater on Friday. But, you know, I think it's worth it. It's super comfortable. It's the best-looking stuff. I'm going to be getting that Felix shirt, so I have something to add to my collection of what I wear on Sundays as I cheer on what's turning into America's team, but Kansas City's pro team, uh, that to go along with the Arrowhead collection, as well as all their classic Kansas City heart shirts and Kansas City icon shirts. I absolutely love them. Check out charliehustle.com. They even got some spooky glow-in-the-dark Kansas City heart shirts as well. So check out charliehustle.com today. Vintage made fresh. All right. Uh, let's get into the four K-State storylines. I think the biggest storylines, uh, as I see it, I would love to know your guys's. So please tweet at me, at Scott Wildcat, at Bosco's Boys, what the four biggest storylines for this final eight-game sprint into Arlington, hopefully into Arlington, and what they are for you. Number one for me is all about the secondary. Can the secondary figure it out, grow into their roles, and become, uh, you know, or live up to that standard in which we talked about. I, I said it all off season, and, and I, I, I truly do stick by it. I, I'm not overly worried. Um, I'm a little discouraged where the start of the season went. I, I'm more than a little discouraged with how that Missouri game went. Um, especially since, you know, it, it did kind of zap K-State from the lexicon uh, out of the top 25 the ap poll uh you know i think they're unofficially 26 haven't seen the ap poll yet this week uh we, we hung on we got back to 25 in the coaches poll by week we got dropped we got dropped in the coaches poll so probably not going to be ranked uh until we hopefully take care of business now in Stillwater. um but but that game still is gonna haunt me that game still gonna bug me now um, a better performance versus UCF, but still giving up some big plays, still losing a little bit on the eye discipline, especially on that uh, trick play that led to an easy touchdown for them. Um, but but I still stand by it. I, I think ultimately they are kind of graded against the secondaries, graded against the curve of the expectations we've set in the Chris Kleiman era. Um, and, and I've seen some improvement. Um you know, you have the bye week, working a lot of good versus good. I think this Oklahoma State game hopefully will be our best game that we see from the secondary. Granted, uh, I think this might 
might be the worst quarterback uh, that we've seen so far, no matter who they tried out there. Um, probably amongst the worst wide receivers we've seen so far. Um, so it should be a game, a, hopefully a get-right game, before what could be a more difficult game down in Lubbock, uh, despite them having their own defensive struggles. So number one is going to be how that secondary progresses. Number two is, okay, Will Howard. How's he going to look at the end of the year, and how's he going to look in crunch time moments? This guy absolutely gritted. And throw out whatever analogy, throw out whatever cliche you want out there to describe the grit, the want to, the dedication that Will Howard had to get out on the field on Saturday. Because as we saw, not every quarterback is willing to do that. Not every quarterback in the conference is willing to put in the work to rehab issues. Not every quarterback is willing to put their body on the line for their team when they're obviously injured and banged up. Will Howard is a warrior. Will Howard is everything you truly want in a quarterback and a leader for a football team. Um, So he's proven that, and I don't think that was ever in doubt. I don't think that was ever in question. Um, But how is he going to perform uh, you know, in crunch time. Again, we saw not entirely on him, but we saw, hey, we were unable to ice out the game versus Missouri. We've seen Will throw one interception every single game. Again, nothing I'm overly worried about, but can he get a clean game? Can he find a way to put teams to bed earlier? Um, can he live up to that preseason hype that we put him on? I said it a few times, uh, and I'll say it again. I, I think it's probably unfair too will to kind of still be holding on to, oh, you know, Big 12 Player of the Year, oh, Heisman candidate, oh, All-American candidate, all this type of stuff. I think we've seen, all right, he's not at that tier, but I think he can be all-conference tier. I think he is right side of the K-State quarterback bell curve tier. I think that he is a guy who is, you know, somewhere between what you got from Skylar Thompson and then uh, you know, what you were getting from, like, a, I mean, Colin Klein. He's somewhere in between Skyler Thompson and Colin Klein. Now, that's a that's a big gulf. Colin Klein, I think, you know, number two quarterback we've ever had. Um, but he, he's somewhere in between those two guys. And, hey, can we kind of get it to the, the closer to what we all hoped? And, and I think we're going to see some of these games. I think that maybe Oklahoma State's going to be that game. Maybe it's TCU when they come uh, for that rematch in Manhattan, which <laughs> TCU, what a there. Uh, I'm not, I'll, I'll save I'll save my thoughts for TCU um, in the uh, Big Twelve storylines. But but I I think we're gonna see one of those games where he throws for like four touchdowns, three hundred yards, no interceptions, and something like that. He's capable of it, uh, but it's just not gonna be there every single game. So can we see? Some more of that. Can we get some interception-free games? Can we uh, continue to see that progression and maybe just clean things up just a little bit? And again, I I think Will Howard has been fine. I think he has been better than fine. I I feel like Will Howard has been good. I think he is kind of getting penalized by our uh, fans because a lot of us, myself included, were saying he is going to be great. Um, so I, I'll be interested to see how that goes. And, and honestly, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. I think anytime I do some any sort of version of storylines, whether it's in season, out of season, preseason, postseason, any of that, 
the quarterback is the most important position in team sports. So that's always going to be a storyline to follow. Number three, hey, can we keep things going in the red zone? Again, we have seen a massive, massive jump in efficiency on offense and honestly pretty salty defense in the red zone as well. That's what kept you in the game when you went down to Missouri when things could have gone a lot worse. That's what put away the game versus UCF at home is that efficiency on offense in the red zone and that salty defense in the red zone. That if if folks are longtime listeners of Bosco's boys, they know how annoyed I got having to settle for three once you get inside the red zone or the green zone. I think technically the red zone's inside the 20, the green zone's inside the 30. Um, But people know how annoyed I was not getting points or settling for field goals. I think we're up above 80% of red zone efficiency for touchdown or touchdown rate inside the red zone. Um, And that's awesome. Can they keep it that high? I mean, law of averages, stats, all that type of stuff would say no. But, folks, if we keep it that high, I think that K-State is going to make it back to Arlington. And, heck, they might be able to pull off the upset in uh, Austin, Texas, if they're able to get to the red zone and convert on those trips. Uh, So that's going to be the number three thing for me. And the number four thing, and, again, I, I I think it is a little overblown. But, I mean, but, you know, it was bad. It's been bad enough, uh, you know, versus Missouri, and it was bad enough versus UCF that probably is one of the questions is, can we see special teams bounce back? Um, Again, I think there's been a lot of talk about, okay, you know, was it the whole, what was going on with Chris Tennant's field goals and extra points, um, kicking the ball out of bounds, giving up some returns, granted none for touchdowns, but giving up some big returns, lacking those big returns ourselves. Um, You know, what's going to happen there? I I think it is fair to have those questions. I think it is real to have those questions. I think it's a little bit overblown. Um, I I think some of these grand declarations, whether on Twitter or message boards of saying, oh, K-State's not going to be able to win another game if they play special teams like that. Or, oh, you know, if they have special teams like that, it's going to be tough to win games. No, I think the value of special teams, it it is not zero. It is not zero, and I hope what I'm about to say, and I hope that the fact that I'm saying that is one of the four big storylines refutes what I think some of you might be thinking. Oh, Scott thinks special teams doesn't matter. No, it does, but it's not worth... 33% 33% of the game. You know, it is not some it is the one spot in the game where hey, if you get outplayed by a demonstrable level, you can still win a game and you can still win a game by 20 points. Um, I think K-State's offense and defense is good enough to overcome that and I think the difference uh, you know, in this team versus other teams in K-State eras gone by is hey, Every game we step onto the field, outside of maybe one, we're going to have the better offense and probably the better defense. That used to not be the case. It used to say, hey, the formula for K-State to win is dominate special teams, find a way to win one of the other sides of the ball, and then hope that you make up for everything else in the margins. That's not the way it is anymore. But it has become a big enough thing. It has become where you lose a game, 
uh, because you miss a 55-yard field goal and they hit a 63-yard field goal. You know, you, you leave points on the board in a game that you could have put away. You could have put UCF in the sleeper hold in that first half, and you didn't. And instead, kind of have to really have a little bit of a nervy third quarter where you dominate the game to put that away. So again, uh, some folks might say it's already cost us a game. I don't think it costs us the Missouri game. But when in a game that close, every little bit counts, and... I, I get it. I, there, there's a nerve. There's an anxiety around it because we've been so great for so long. Um, that's why the, why it's a question. Um, I, I think it's by far the lowest of my concerns of the stuff that I've brought up. Um, I could have talked about the wide receivers. I think that's going to be a big deal. Can Keegan Johnson become that number one? Can Jaden Jackson take another step forward? Or can RJ Garcia take another step forward so that they become a true number one? Um, I think that would probably be my fifth storyline. And hell, I'll throw it in there. There's five storylines. Um, but, but I think but I think it's going to be okay. Um, and, and I do think that it's under a microscope more at K-State than anywhere else. But those are the four plus a bonus uh, storylines that I'm going to be dialed in on for this the next eight weeks and this run up to uh, Arlington. Let me know what yours are. Um, am I undervaluing or overvaluing special teams? Did I just try to have it both ways? Kind of thinking back to my answer, and, and I'm, I'm not someone who's going to go back and re-record it. Thinking back to how I just answered that, I think I just tried to have it both ways. I think I just tried to make special teams a big deal and minimize it at the same time. And uh, a lot of you listening are probably like, man, come on, Scott, you're better than it is what it is. Uh, let me know your four or five storylines you're going to be king in on. What's going to be some of the big keys if K-State's going to get back to Arlington? Before I dive into the Big 12 storylines that I'll be following, the four, and I'm only going to limit myself to four, uh, storylines I'm going to be following the balance of the year. How about, a, how about a shout out for our friends at Manhattan Brewing Company? They truly have something going on basically every single day there. Sundays, they always have great uh, drink specials. They have live entertainment. They have different you know, food truck options coming through. They always have new beers. Folks, Manhattan Brewing Company is the spot to be. I ran up there. I spent a little bit of time there during the bye week. Anytime you go to Manhattan, you should too. I always grab a couple four-packs and crowlers to bring back to Shawnee with me. Because honestly, if I have a choice, if I have any option, if I have any say in the thing, I'm drinking Manhattan Brewing Company beer or I'm not drinking it all. I love those guys and gals at Manhattan Brewing Company. It's always a first-class experience when I go into the tap room, and the beer is always top-notch as well. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. If you don't have Manhattan Brewing Company in your local liquor store, be polite, be nice, but ask them to start carrying it. Shout-out to Manhattan Brewing Company. Again, they've been rocking with us for over a year now. Um they're a big part of why this show continues to be able to go five days a week. So shout out to Manhattan Brewing Company. I love them. Truly love them unconditionally. And again, they got some big time beer releases. So stay tuned for that. All right. For the four storylines I'm going to be watching is uh, number one, the, the biggest one as it pertains to K-State fans. Is anyone going to join K-State in the quest to demolish a Red River rematch in Arlington. 
Because quite frankly, um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know if anyone's going to be able to. You know, we, we've talked up KU a little bit. Um, Jalen Daniels is a glass boy. You can't help it if you're a glass boy. Look, I get it myself. My biggest rivalry in the world is the little edge of the sidewalk where the grass meets. And, you know, if, if I walk too close to it, I'm going to roll my ankle. I'm a glass boy myself, Jalen. I get it. JD6, you're a glass boy. And rumors are there's infighting inside the KU locker room. Um, <laughs> there, and again, there's enough smoke to some of these rumors that, that you got to kind of believe, hey, things are not all right in Lawrence right now. Can they turn it around? Yes, but I, I mean, I don't, I don't really think they're going to be much of a, an ally in avoiding a Red River rematch. Uh, they get Oklahoma at home, maybe they can pull off that upset. But uh, the performance they put out at Texas, Texas tried everything in the world to allow KU to be in that game, and KU refused to be a participant. Um, and, and Texas ends up covering, uh, and honestly, the game was relative ease for, for as bad as Texas played and was a disappointing performance for KU in that. So I don't think they're going to help out. Uh, TCU losing to West Virginia. I mean, again, another team desperately trying not to win the game in West Virginia and Neil Brown. Um, TCU refused uh, to you know to take that help from Neil Brown. Should have been a nice, easy, relaxed win for Neil Brown. Goes down the wire. TCU loses. I don't now. I'm like, okay, is TCU really going to be able to be up for the challenge? Um, <laughs> I probably not. West Virginia, they're two and zero. What about them? Look, great story. Neil Brown's not going to be fired. Good for him. I don't really see him as an ally. BYU, no. I mean, who, who's going to step up uh, and help try to take down the two evil empires? Uh, I. I don't think there's anyone. I really do think it is kind of K-State trying to carry the banner for the old Big 8, for the old Big 12, for the new Big 12 against those two teams. Um, Open to anyone uh, joining the party, trying to take them out, Um, as long as it doesn't include also beating K-State. Please, literally anyone. I'm cheering for literally anyone versus Oklahoma, versus Texas. I was rock-chalking and I was cycloning my face off uh, you know, at different points of both those games, but Iowa State and KU just rolled over. I don't think KU's going to do any different versus Oklahoma in Lawrence here in a couple weeks. I don't think UCF, I mean, again, UCF absolutely blowing a 35-7 to and a 35-10 to fourth quarter lead to Baylor. Uh, I don't think they're going to take down Oklahoma. I don't think Texas Tech uh, or Houston. I don't think anyone's going to stop Texas except for maybe K-State. So uh, it kind of comes down to, okay, it, it is K-State being the flag bearer trying to take them out. So, um, again, I welcome literally anyone to try to join the fight against Oklahoma and Texas. Um, someone has to help out a little bit. A little bit. We can't do this all by ourselves, can we, Wildcats? Uh, so that's story number one. Story number two is, okay, what coaches are on the hot seat? What sort of changes are we going to see? Again, I was someone who was saying – uh, Neil Brown going to be fired by October? No. Neil Brown is setting himself up to go to a bowl game, to possibly having a winning season. Uh, given the financial uh, stuff going on at the University of West Virginia, West Virginia University, whatever, 
Um, he's not going to get an extension. He's not getting an extension, but he's definitely not losing his job. Neil Brown's going to be back. So who's going to be on the hot seat? Is it going to be Dana Holgerson? Uh, who probably, I mean, I, I, I think he's screwed. I think he's going to be on the hot seat. Dave Aranda. Okay. Was the comeback versus UCF the beginning of a turnaround for Baylor? Or is that kind of his last stand before he falls down the hill and gets fired? What's going to go on there? Uh, Matt Campbell, Matt Campbell, again, the second time this season, he's on video going after fans in the stands, taunting him with the chant of hot seat. Uh, I mean, look, Matt Campbell's an unhinged human being, entirely unserious. Um, I mean, uh, I don't know if he's on the hot hot seat, but he probably should be. Um, so, what's going to go on there? Gus Malzahn. I don't think I, I don't think he's in trouble, but kind of the way they lost to K State, UCF fans were a little disappointed. That complete collapse versus Baylor. Um, Absolutely hilarious. If he can't go in and beat KU, and granted, that's on the road, then you're on the road at Oklahoma. If they're sitting 0-4 with all they invest and all the vibrato and all the smack talk, UFC or UCF, the Central Florida Golden Knights were uh, you know, having when they came into the conference, uh, look, I don't think he's going to be on the hot seat, or at least I don't think he's going to get fired, but he's going to start next season on the hot seat. So, that's kind of where I'm at. I don't think Kalani Sataki is going to be on. Like, even if BYU, you know, finishes one and eight in the Big Twelve to start the year, I don't think he's going anywhere. Sattersfield, as much of a bad hire as I think he was at Cincinnati, I don't think he's going anywhere. Joey McGuire, uh, again, I don't think he's going anywhere. But again, if they don't turn it around, because uh, that was an ugly game versus Houston. I mean, if they can't bounce back and kind of be seven and five, six and six, seven and five, if they're not going to a bowl game, which, I mean, that's not a given. He might start next season a little bit on the hot seat after becoming everyone's darling. Uh, Sonny Dykes, I, I think Sonny Dykes is kind of showing his true colors. I, I think Sonny Dykes, um, and I even talked about this with Shahan Raja uh, in the offseason. I think he's a little bit of a fraud. I think your record is what what it says he is. Uh, absolutely zero success at Cal. I think very overrated stint at SMU. Um, we'll see there. Again, he's definitely not getting fired. But everything that's go- gone on at TCU in the offseason, honestly with their fans, they've become a very easy villain to root against. And quite frankly, I'm hoping for the downfall for Sonny Dykes in uh, the entire TCU football program. So that's kind of where I'm at there. Number three, okay, got to say it. What's going to go on with Oklahoma and Texas? They obviously play each other on Saturday, um, and one of the teams is going to have to take an L. I'm, I would feel pretty confident in predicting a Texas win. Um, I don't think it's going to look like last year. I don't think it's going to be like a run rule. I don't think they're going to win by 50 or anything like that. But I think it's going to be like a comfortable – 14 to 20 point win for Texas. And is that the only loss Oklahoma holds? Do they unravel? Does a team like KU get them? Um, Do they drop games to like a UCF? Will will one of these other teams that I'm pleading with anyone in the conference kind of step up and take a pound of flesh from Oklahoma and Texas on their way out? Um, Is anyone going to do that? Uh, What about Texas? 
what's going to happen in Austin uh, at the beginning of November with K-State in Texas. Is K-State going to be able to get something done? Is Houston going to be able to complete the, the prediction I've had for a long time that Texas beats Alabama but then loses on the road at Houston? Are they going to step up? Is, is someone going to take a pound of flesh from these guys and – if not, what what are they going? What what's it going to look like on the national stage? Where are they going to be in the rankings and the playoff stuff? Are they going to be able to make some noise in what seemingly is the most open top end of college football as we've seen in a long time? Again, the most dominant team so far is Michigan, and they've played a Charmin soft schedule that most MAC teams have had a more difficult strength of schedule up until this point than Michigan's had. So, I mean. USC almost blew it to Colorado. I mean, is, is Oregon the second most dominant team? But even they kind of played around with their food this past week. Uh, so I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't know who the best team is. I don't know who the most dominant team is in college football. And, uh, again, it kind of sucks that Oklahoma and Texas seemingly uh, are rolling. Um, you know, again, Oklahoma has played absolutely no one to this point. But... Uh, it sucks. I really wish it wasn't the case that these two teams kind of were having uh, their best season with a seemingly down Big 12. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, my eyes will be on Red River. I I don't know what's going to be best for K-State. I think Texas beating Oklahoma and Oklahoma suffering a second loss somewhere else is probably the best case for K-State. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know what the I don't know what to cheer for. I'll listen to smarter people than me. Uh, I'm hoping a lot of folks just kind of retire from the game of football and get into ministry or charity and give up football after that game. I'm not rooting for a meteor and all that type of stuff, but I am rooting for a lot of people to just, oh, we're done with football. Let's let's give back to the world. Um, so we'll see there. And then the final thing I'm, I'm going to be looking forward or looking for the, the final kind of Big 12 storyline is – uh, fighting back against the national perception. Again, it, it's not, it, it is not a great year for the Big 12. Um, the Big 12 did not do great in the non-con. The Big 12 is not kind of doing great of establishing who that second class, uh, you know, that upper middle class to challenge Oklahoma and Texas is in this final year. Um, and I think that is going to set up a perception battle uh, starting next year. We all knew it was going to happen. This isn't a surprise. Media is going to trot out the line of, oh, the the Big 12 is nothing without Oklahoma and Texas. I mean, it, it is what it is. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not losing sleep over it. We all knew it was going to happen. Um, b- but how does the Big 12 message against that? How do the Big 12 teams compete against that? It's the most entertaining football product. I mean... If you, if you just look at the slate and if you watch enough college football, and I sat back and watched college football basically from Friday at 6 p.m. until like 2 in the morning on Sunday, Big 12 games are the most entertaining. The Big 12 games are the most fun to watch. Um, and I, I, I just will be interested to see how Brett Yormark in the conference kind of battles back against some of the perception issues that will occur because they will. 
So uh, that's all I have. No bonus there. Um, I'm looking forward to this week. I, I can't wait uh, for Friday. I love Friday football games. I think, and I understand the whole Friday night lights thing because you know what? I was actually watching a high school game on my phone while I had a college game up on the TV. I understand. Uh, you know, a lot of communities really rally around, and especially if you have kids in high school. Uh, I, I understand the strain. Um, that you know, college football games on Friday have for folks who want to watch uh, high school football, but that case, the K State Oklahoma State game might be our biggest TV ratings game, uh, except for K State Texas, which I'm hoping is going to be a fif- top fifteen battle, um, because that Friday night standalone slot on ESPN does a good number. Uh, I think it'll be important for K State to put on a good show. And I hope it's a dominating performance. I, I, I hope we can kind of exercise some of these still water demons and, and put a big number out there and really have a good game. Uh, so we'll, we'll be back. We'll, we'll be talking about that on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. The live show is going to come back. We will be recording a live show, so tell all your friends on Wednesday, 7 p.m. on Zoom. That's going to come back. Uh, I did like the Around the Horn uh, feature, so there might be some weeks where I do that instead of the live show. Let me know your thoughts on that. Um, So we'll see what happens moving forward. Um, Already working on a good crew for the Friday Whip Around show as well. So I hope you guys had a good off weekend. Again, we'll have all Saturday to watch it, but uh, all eyes laser focus on Friday and, you know, first Friday in October. I think that should be a thing. I think K-State and Oklahoma State should play the first Friday in October every single year from now until the end of the conference. Sue me. For Chauncey Bosco, the best dog in the world. For Charlie Hustle, the best t-shirt company in the world. And for Manhattan Brewing Company, the best brewery in the world. We love you guys, and go Cats. Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight. Hail alma mater, from sea to sea.
Podcast Network.